Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we focus on metals, mining, and more. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Today, we will address the events unfolding in India since the 8th of November, when Prime Minister Modi stripped the population of 88% of its currency and the effects it's had on India. And most important, what actions you, the investor, need to take. Joining us today is the host of the highly acclaimed Capitalism and Morality, and he is also a world-recognized advisor to institutional investors, Giant Bhandari. Thank you for joining us, sir. Well, thanks very much for having me, Maurice. You know, listeners will note that the significance of our previous, current, and future dialogue uh, regarding the events in India, for those that are not directly affected, is for you to formulate an insurance plan. If your currency is not backed by money, which is gold and silver, of which none are, then you are susceptible to these same conditions. Your currency is controlled by the edict of your government and the confidence the people have in the currency. Therefore, your government can either revalue or replace your currency. It happens all the time. Giant, we have uh, conducted a series of interviews regarding the events in India. But for someone that is joining us for the first time, please share what occurred in India on the 8th of November. So on the 8th of November, Maurice, uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi came on the television to announce that he was making 88% of the monetary value of the currency in circulation illegal. These were banknotes with face value of 500 and 1000 rupees which are equivalent to seven and a half US dollars and 10 US dollars. This basically meant that and he closed the banks the next day and his announcement basically meant that people were suddenly left with paper. Now you did mention just now that people can government can change the value of your currency something that i had never thought of before the 8th of november was that they can they could actually even make it worth zero you could have on the 9th of november any an amount of cash at home but it was no longer legal tender you could if you were in a hospital you would have died in the hospital now indian hospitals do not treat you unless they have the money beforehand. A lot of people died at the entrance of hospitals, not because they did not have the money, they had the money, but it was no longer legal currency. People were starting to go hungry in the, in, over the next few days. Millions of people were laid off. There was an absolute crisis in the country on the 9th of November, Today, Maurice, as we speak, is the 19th of January. It has been 70 days and nothing seems to have improved. You know, speaking of that, there was a 50-day grace period, if you will, where Prime Minister Modi, in essence, shared that things would return to normal. Let's discuss the new normal. How has the currency performed? Well, uh, Modi told the audience on the 8th of November that everything would be normal on the by the end of December and he said that if things did not 
return back to full normal, he would give people the right to take him to the public square and give him whatever punishment public would want to give him. I guarantee you, Maurice, that a lot of people would be very happy to see him at a public square today. Uh, of course, he has, he's not even mentioning the, mentioning the word demonetization these days because this has been one of the most stupid things any government anywhere in the world has ever done. Well, and how is commerce affected by this now? Um, Maurice, uh, the problem is that imagine a situation in which a perfectly human being, suppose you take out 88% of the blood from his body and return only 50% of the blood back to the, to the body, do you think his organs will not start to fail? And even uh, after a period of time, if you refill the body with all the blood required, do you think the body will return to its earlier normal? No, it won't. Your organs will have failed. You might be already dead. And that is what has happened to India. Indian government, even after 70 days of this announcement, has managed to replace only about 44% of the currency that was in circulation earlier. This means that people with higher financial power are able to get hold of whatever cash that the banking system has released and they have been able to put that under the carpet. As a relatively wealthy person, what would I do? I would do exactly the same thing. I want to do exactly what my government is telling me not to do. Um, so the result is that the poorest people in the country do not have access to the cash. Small businesses don't have access to the cash. And this has its cascading effect all over the economy. Now, Maurice, I have every single talk that I have done with you, I was in India. I did not like to say that I was in India for the simple fact that it does not matter. I could not be everywhere in every part of the country at all the time. So there is no way for me to get perfect information even if I were in, not in India or if I were in India. Now, the situation in India is that the media is completely blank about this issue. There, is, there are no more uh, journalists reporting about the problems even in the smaller towns. There is virtually no reporting from villages and tribal areas. Whatever I have heard from people, and I have done a fair bit of traveling in India myself in the last two months, there is an enormous amount of desperation in the people. Farmers are throwing away their vegetables. They are destroying their crops because they do not have enough money to transport it to the market to sell their produce. And if they do have the money, the, the price of the produce has fallen so much that they can no longer afford to do that. Now, the question is, why has the price fallen so much? Because Maurice, if poor people don't have money and 80% of Indians are kinds of people who 
earn probably two or three dollars a day. They are daily wage earners. If they don't have a job today, they will not eat this evening. Now, if these people have lost their jobs, they cannot really afford to buy anything, any food. Food prices are down anything between 25 to 75%. The result is, indirectly, what the information I'm getting is that these people are going hungry. Now, the middle class is very happy. People like me would be very happy. My mom would be very happy because we are getting good vegetables at a very cheap price. But what do you think will happen in the next cycle? Would farmers right now be planting crops when they cannot sell the crops today? The answer is no. In my view, the economy is in a horrendously bad shape today and the media is mostly not reporting that Although slowly and subtly, the international media is starting to pick up the problems of India. Yeah, in reference to the international media, again, just to, to share with our audience, you know, it really wasn't until about three weeks after the events occurred that you started to see some of it on the mainstream media here in the United States. And I'll, I'll, I won't mention their names here, but uh, it's truly unfortunate because this is a situation that could really uh, have cascading effects, as you mentioned earlier. Talk to us about the life right now uh, for citizens crime you know the corruption mafia do you have any input on that for us maurice i have told, talked with you earlier and this is one of the most depressing things corruption has skyrocketed in the country i'm told by people who do business in india and i no longer do business in india i'm burnt out i'm sick and tired of doing business in that extremely corrupt society but those people who do business in india tell me that corruption has gone up about a hundred percent bureaucrats are asking almost twice as much bribes as they used to ask earlier the mafia grew up by leaps and bounds over the next one or two weeks after the announcement because these were the people through who most of the big currency notes got funneled into the banking system. These people employed a lot of young working age people to line up at the banks to convert uh, the banned currency notes. So mafia has now come to existence. and. Uh, Maurice, uh, India is an extremely poor country, but one good thing about India has mostly been that it has had a relatively low crime rate. But now people have got a taste for easy money. They'd realize that they could line up outside the banks and make a commission of 20% for converting these banned currency. They skipped their work, they skipped their factories, they skipped their offices, and instead made this easy money. Uh, I am not even sure how Modi ever thought this would reduce any kind of corruption. But again, reducing corruption was only the facade. He never even for a moment thought that he wanted to reduce corruption in the country. Now, you mentioned you're currently not in India. So recently, I know you've traveled to London and China to discuss the events in India. What were some of the questions or concerns that resonated most with your audience? 
Well, firstly, Maurice, uh, not many people care about India. I go to all these conferences and they want people to, and I often speak on India at many conferences, and usually people talk about how India would be the next China. They pay all the lip service, but then they go back to their offices and then they invest in China instead of investing in India. And in my view, they are doing exactly the right thing to do. China is China and India is India. China, and I, it's funny thing is, I often go to China from India and I often go from India to China. And it's an amazing experience, Maurice, if you have done it five, 10, 15 times, what, is, what I start realizing is that when I go to China, I have to pinch myself over the first few days to remind myself that I'm no longer, I'm not in a first world country. Because India is so chaotic, indisciplined, um, lacking in work ethic, where nothing happens. I go to a country where everything seems to happen. Even the traffic looks so good to me when I go to China from India, because Indian traffic is just a thousand times worse that despite the fact that the Chinese traffic is not as good as it is in the Western countries, actually it's quite bad, but compared to India, it's an amazing place to drive around. Now, people do want to understand what is happening in India. There is this view among many Western people that Modi represents the right-wing party and that to them means that Modi is for the free market and Modi claims to be for the free market. But really, Maurice, what you claim to be is one thing and what you actually do is something completely different. I don't like to take side of people. I don't want to be pro someone just because he says something, some words that I tend to relate with. Modi is a fascist. Modi is a dictator and Modi is an autocrat and this is what he is and people are now slowly learning about all these things with about Modi. Modi is increasingly starting to look like a joker in the international media. You know, speaking of audience, uh, there have been some crude, crude accusations that you've been materializing fake news. How would you like to respond to this? Now, Maurice, uh, if you recall, I was probably the first person or among the very first people who started writing in the international media immediately after the announcement was made. I started reporting in actingman.com. I started talking with you. This is probably our fifth or sixth interview on the same subject. So there's a sequence of information that you and I have provided and Acting Man and I have provided to the audience. And you can see that I started writing about this much before the international media picked it up. The international media was still thinking that this was an approach to control corruption. Now, Maurice, this is where Western people always have a problem. Western people trust too much. They think people mean what they say. But remember, I have t told you this thing many times in the past. India is an extremely irrational, superstitious, and corrupt country. 
And this is not just about politicians and bureaucrats. It's about the individual in the society. The individual in that country is an extremely corrupt person. So they do not tell you what is good and what is right. They tell you what sounds good. So there is no one, not many people, not many Indians want to say bad things about India. Even if they see suffering in front of them, they would rather vote in favor of make, making India earn a good name rather than help those oppressed and wretched and poor people come out of their wretchedness by talking about it and by exposing it to the world. That is what I want to do, Maurice. I'm, I'm a capitalist, I'm a free market, but I have nothing in common with Narendra Modi. You know, offline giant, and I just want to share this with the listeners, You've shared your concerns to me about the oppression, you know, exploitation, extreme stress that is causing on so many innocent people. And the thing that always, you know, catches me when you say it is that you stress that they're not numbers. These are people. And I know that really has you discouraged, due in part because people in general just they're not prepared. And that really resonates with you because you really do care. So I'm most appreciative of you sharing this information with us. You know, this is why we are urging listeners to think critically and independently. You know, government was the problem and it is not the solution. Listen to the madness of the crowds and how they respond to situations such as these if you don't live in India and discern what they found most important. Yes, you know, it's our intent that you have an allocation of the following. We're talking about food, water, toiletry, medicine, protection, cash and money which is gold and silver and being geographically diversified by having some of your assets outside of the country in a storage safe that is not controlled by the banking system now switching gears here giant you'll be hosting the highly acclaimed capitalism and morality this is in uh, vancouver this year as it always is please share the dates and the featured speakers um Maurice, uh, I have been running this philosophical seminar in Vancouver for the last seven years now. Uh, it is held in the summer of every year in July. The next one will be on the 29th of July, 2017 at the downtown campus of Simon Fraser University. Um, Ian Plimmer is flying in from Australia to speak. Um, Ian is a very well-known Australian who talks about climate change. He's a great businessman. He is a part of the Gina Reinhardt group. Um, I have a huge, huge amount of respect for this person, um, mostly because he is one of those people who represent what Western civilization mean to me. He speaks the truth, he speaks his mind, rather than sugarcoat what he wants to say for the convenience of his audience. I have Rakesh Wadhwa speaking at the seminar. Rakesh Wadhwa will be flying in from India. Rakesh Wadhwa is, uh, is a great Indian who ran some of the biggest casinos in Sri Lanka and Nepal. All her, his casinos were expropriated by the governments in these two countries. And again, you said the right things. People really have to fear their government the most because their governments have the gun and the uniforms. 
Rakesh Wadhwai will be speaking about his um, his businesses, how he ran businesses. Now, of course, he did very well. He's too smart for these um, people who run these governments. Um, Rick Rule, I have a huge amount of respect for Rick Rule. He's consistently rated as one of the top speakers at, at, at the seminar. He will be speaking. Doug Casey, my mentor, my philosophical mentor will be speaking. I always look forward to have Doug Casey speak. Albert Lou will be speaking. Uh, there will be a lot of other speakers. Mickey Philp, Adrian Day. Adrian Day is a great fund manager based in the US. He will be speaking. So there's a long list of his speakers at the conference. Uh. It's an all-star cast. I'm, I'm looking forward to being there myself. Um, Giant, last question. What did I forget to ask? Well, I have a very good news, uh, Maurice. I have had a very basic website for the last uh, uh, many, many years now, almost 13 years. Uh, today, I was able to move it to, um, to, to a much more professional website. And um, for that, uh, you gave me a lot of help to convert that into a professional website. So thank you very much for that. Uh, I also opened my first time my Twitter account. Uh, I don't think I want to do much on Twitter, but uh, I think I want to can keep communicating what's happening in India to the world, uh, Maurice. Uh, and the reason is that there is so much of philosophy that we can learn from events that are happening in India, how these wretched, poor, diseased people are responding to tyranny of Narendra Modi. And as I have said repeatedly in the past, India is a police state. India will disintegrate eventually into smaller countries. And I want to document that for the future generation to read and see. Now, Giant, you mentioned the new website. Give us the website address, please. That's giantbhandari.com. And last but not least, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com. Through Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, we offer gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, offshore storage, and safe deposit boxes, which are fully insured and secured by Brinks, and self-directed IRAs. The website, again, is www.provenandprobable.com. The highly acclaimed capitalism and morality. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you very much, uh, Maurice. All the best to you. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.